we are here today to talk about Roadshow, Build a Roadshow Week 3. Mm-hmm. I believe we left off last time, and I'm going to have to, I did not prepare for this. I'm going to have to really dig into the memory bank. We stayed the weekend in Medford, Oregon. I had never been to Medford. It was okay. I wanted to stay in Ashland because uh, Ashland is pretty cool. It's a mm-hmm. pretty cool town, mm-hmm. but we it's small and there wasn't a good place. So we stayed in Medford. We got our tire changed by Bob, the guy with the Yorkshire Terrier. And then from there, Sunday, we drove up uh, through Portland and then over to Astoria. And that's where we spent Sunday night, Astoria, Oregon, at the KOA. And it was the KOA was popping off. It was just um, stereotypical American summer going on at the KOA. Hmm. Yeah. What's the KOA? Uh, it's Camp Campground of America, I think it is. Ooh. Is what it's, but there's it's K- like massive. Yeah, there's KOAs everywhere. Okay. You've probably, seen, if you saw the sign, you'd reckon, oh, yeah, yeah I've seen be, that fucking yeah. everywhere. Uh, yeah, KOA in Astoria, Oregon, because we had an RV. We were doing the RV life. Mm-hmm. Everybody had five children and dogs, and everybody was living out of an RV or a little cabin there. Yeah. Everybody was at the pool and the, the mini golf and the horseshoe. It was just so stereotypical American summer. Yeah. American summer. We're just living the dream. It was beautiful. It was the prettiest weather we had got to date. I wake up in the morning. I run. Astoria, Oregon is um, basically the, or Astoria, Oregon is the northwest corner of Oregon. So it's bordering the Columbia River, and then just across the Columbia River is Washington, and then immediately to the west is the Pacific Ocean. It's kind of just up in that corner. Yeah, it's it's absolutely gorgeous up there. Yeah, I can it's imagine. So spectacular. Uh, we were there the next morning. We drove over to the Jetty A project, which is J. E. McCamus working for the Army Corps of Engineers. I had visited the project two years ago, almost a year and a half before. Yeah. And what's happening is there are, um, there's a jetty system and jetties are just rock walls that are at the end of the Columbia river. Yeah. And they serve two for do two purposes. One, they channelize the river going through the mouth, mm-hmm. um, to basically create natural scour to keep it deep enough yep. to flush the sediment out into the ocean so that the ship traffic can go back and forth. Yeah. And then it prevents storm surges from advancing upriver and wreaking havoc. It's a very, 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 very important channel. Yeah, it's, that's useful. Uh, for shipping, for fishing primarily, it's extremely important. And the Jetty system, I think, started construction in the early 1900s and was finished pre-World War II. Mm-hmm. But uh, after 100 years of getting battered by the Pacific Ocean, by swells of 20 to 30 feet in the winter, Mm -hmm. uh, it was in extreme disrepair. So um, the Army Corps started to let projects to rehabilitate each one of the jetties uh, quite a few years ago. Uh, The North Jetty was the first one to go, and then Jetty A and Jetty A, ironically, was the was the one that I made rock for when I was with Kiwit. So I'd never uh, actually went to the jetty, but yeah. I was making the rock that then was put on a barge, was shipped down to Jetty A and placed there by Kiwit. That's funny. So in you were blasting all that. 2016, yeah. 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 
I was going to say, I was like, isn't that kind of harkening back to something we've talked about before? Because, like, I remember you were saying, um, for that, that, um, that, like, challenge, the, uh, like, engineering challenge, mm-hmm. didn't you do, like, some sort of jetty project or something that for your was, estimating challenge? That was marine construction. Yeah. It was the Port of Seattle oh, for okay. that one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but the jetty stuff, that, that was the work I actually did. Yeah. And I actually knew something about it after that challenge. Yeah. Uh, but I never actually got to see the jetty. So we went out there, and then we went out there again this year because they're doing it over four or five seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can't work year-round because they have to build a road out on the jetty to get the rocks all the way out. Mm-hmm. And uh, with, with the winter, the swells are so big that it just washes the road away. So they would just have to keep rebuilding the road, which would just be completely ridiculous. It's all just winter. dirt, right? It's like rock. It's like surge. Um, so it's kind of dirt, kind of rock, but it just, the, the, the ocean just takes it right back. Yeah. So they work in just the summer months. They're using a purpose-built Cat 6020 excavator, which is a 200-ton mining excavator with nearly 100 foot of reach, uh, a special boom and stick. Damn. With a special thumb and rock bucket built by Peterson Cat to do all of the work. The stones are between five and 40 tons each, <laughs> and they're placing nearly half a million tons of this rock. Sick. It's so wild. It's yeah. such a crazy specialized project. It's not just throwing rocks over both sides. Every single rock needs to be placed in a very specific way. Mm-hmm. All of it's according to Trimble GPS. Um, the the guy primarily that's that's doing the placing with the 6020 it's just so tedious in a lot of ways yeah the all of the rocks are brought in by barge from three different locations in washington oregon and then they bring them they load them onto haul trucks drive them a few miles to their staging area then they weigh every stone again every stone has a weight spray painted onto it to know exactly what stone that is it has it has a weight and then it basically has a serial number on that stone so they know exactly which rock is going where and then they drive one rock at a time on a 773 all the way out onto the jetty and the jetty it's like mm, 2 miles maybe a little bit more than that so it's a it's mm-hmm. And it's water both sides. You have the Columbia River on one side, Pacific Ocean on your left side. Yeah. If you're if you're walking out uh, further out into the jetty, and uh, one rock at a time, then the sixty twenty. There's turnouts, so then the truck drives forwards as much as it can, turns around, and then backs the rest of the way, drops the single rock off. The sixty twenty grabs the rock, flips it over to write down the serial number on yeah. a pad of paper. <laughs> To make sure, yep, this is where this rock is going. And then you'll see him pick up the rock and move it to understand the geometry of that rock. Mm -hmm. And then he'll grab it and he'll start placing it in a space that he had made for that rock while communicating with another guy on the ground via radio that can see it from a different angle. And they're talking back and forth all day. That's insane. It's so, it's just such unique work. Yeah. And so on the ocean side, you have the really big armor stone. Yeah. The really big rocks, because that's where the pounding's coming from. Mm. And then on the river side, you have still pretty big rocks, but a little less work. So most of the work's on the ocean side, not the river side, because Mm. the ocean side's what's been taking the beating. And as you get further and further out into the jetty, it's more and more degraded. So you can see it 
it's pretty cool looking at the drone shots where the machine's at because up until that point has been all rehabilitated yeah and then all past that point they still need to do and it is it's pretty battered is it just straight up erosion or do the rocks just like fall into no the they sea? just the ocean just grabs the rocks and throws them right back in the ocean hmm. it's insane it's yeah. like just just how much power you need to move a 40 ton rock yeah I mean, you need a 200-ton excavator. Yeah, 200, and the, and the excavator struggle a little bit, and, yeah. and because sure it can pick it up when it's close, but when you're reaching out further and further, you have less, uh, you know, you have more weight hanging out further, further from you, and you're you're the the machine's moving around a lot. Yeah, that's so, got to be sketchy. Yeah, just it's, like because I mean that would be catastrophic. Like if a machine like that fell into the ocean. Yeah, but that, that that's why they're I mean, using such a big machine. Yeah, it's heavy. It's sturdy. Like it's it's on the jetty. Yeah. But it's it's as wide as the jetty is. And it's it's just shaking a lot. It's yeah. it's very especially when he's digging into that older rock. Um it gets it, it it's we, we went up into the cab to watch him work a little bit. Yeah. It gets it gets a little it gets a little western. Yeah, I mean it, and it's yeah, of course it's not gonna fail because it's a big machine, but that thought if you're not in it every day like yeah. that thought is definitely in, it's got to be in the back of your mind well that's <laughs> like that's why when they're in other uh other work when they're working machines when you're working around water you typically don't wear a seatbelt, and so you'll you typically have a window open or a door open because yeah if you go in you don't want to be you don't want to be stuck sink like a stone yeah that's one of the only, if not the only application in which it's unsafe to wear a seatbelt, <laughs> which is interesting. Yeah. I mean, and that's, it's cool because it's almost like masonry with like a massive machine. Yeah. Like, yeah it's like, like building a giant rock wall. Yeah. It's like large Like scale landscaping. Masonry. Yeah. Or yeah. hardscaping. Yeah. Yeah. Every, every rock has to be locked in in a certain way to prevent that, that erosion. It's a nice boulder. It's the it's it's probably the most expensive rock in the United States. What um, is, what kind of rock is it? Per it's ton, granite or something? It's it has to be. Yeah, it's I don't know what it is. I'm not a geologist. I don't. I'm not. I've never really got into that kind of stuff. But it's a very. Uh, it needs to be a certain um, weight mm-hmm. and strength to meet the Army Corps spec, so they can only find it in certain quarries. Yeah, and that's why they're mining it because they need so much of it. That's why they're mining it. And concurrently in three different quarries, I think it is. They're pulling it out of <laughs> a lot of different places. And yeah. they're shipping it. Like when we were doing it with Kiwit, we were shipping it a thousand miles, I think it was. Oops. Long way. Long way. All the way from, um, where were we? Anacortis, which is up by like Wellington. Mm-hmm. Wellington? No. What is up there? Everett? No, it's not Everett. Bellingham. It's up by Bellingham. So oh, you're almost up by Canada. Okay. And then you're shipping it all the way down by Tacoma, all the way out into the ocean, and then down to the to the river to the south of Washington. Nice. That was the that was the best way Kiwit thought they could do it. Because that's how particular this rock is. Yeah, I mean if they're paying them, so well, I mean, it's like, you know. Last season J. E. McCamus got the got the last rock from the same quarry I was at with with Kiwit. And that quarry's just done now. It's it's exhausted. From a jetty stone standpoint, but the yeah. guy Fred that owned the place is probably still making hand money hand over fist with aggregate. Mm-hmm. So that's the jetty project with Jay McGamus. Um, then we had some crab because I it might be controversial. 
I think uh, West Coast crab is better than East Coast crab. It's just yeah, way more crab. Yeah. Whereas East Bigger. Coast crab is a project to mm. get. It's like, uh, it's like crawfish versus lobster. Yeah. You just get a lot. It's kind of the same thing, same pro- similar principle, mm-hmm. but you need to. Crawfish is a lot more work for what you're getting out of it. Yeah. Which sometimes is more fun. I like mm. eating blue crab, Maryland blue crab, but yeah. Dungeness, big crab, and it's crab season, so we had to get some crab. Yeah. From there, we went to Portland, where we were going to stay the night with my friend Nick Bazadas, Bazadas Construction. If you haven't seen his Instagram, check it out. He does some badass stuff. I haven't seen it. I will. He's a welder. We were going to see some work with him that following day, but um, the project required an act of Congress to get permission to shoot. So we said, screw that. We're going to go do something else. And... Um, so we just spent the night at his shop. I worked out in his shop. His shop's really nice. He's got all kinds of cool shit in there. Um, we had some salmon again. Oh, salmon. Mm-hmm. Just fresh salmon in Oregon or Washington. Yeah. Summer. Yeah. Doesn't get any better. Fall. Doesn't get any better. Had some salmon. Um, hung out with Nick. And then that next morning we went to, uh, see J.W. Fowler, a big underground tunneling contractor based out of Oregon. They were working on the uh, Willamette water supply program. There's a better term for it, but it's essentially the construction of an entirely new water network for hundreds of thousands of people outside of Portland because Portland's grown. The population's changed. Yeah. So they need to get a new water program, a new water supply for uh, Beaverton and kind of west of the Portland area for hundreds of thousands of people. Mm -hmm. And to do so, they're pulling the water from, it's like 20 to 30 miles south of there through this pipeline network. And they're building these storage tanks and treatment plants and all Mm -hmm. this whole water supply network from scratch. It's this multi-billion dollar endeavor. Very, very rarely do you see an actual brand new water network built in the United States. It's crazy cool. Yeah, that is is wild. So, Jay... uh, J.W. Fowler was setting, I think it was 66-inch steel water line. Big. Oh, it's steel? Yeah, big mm-hmm. water line with um, a Hitachi 870. Nice. So they were, uh, we watched them put a piece of pipe in the ground, which was cool. It's yeah. tedious. And the joints, they must be 40-foot pipe. It must be 40-foot joints. So. Mm. You're not moving very fast and it's pretty deep and it's in yeah. a narrow place. So your shoring's pretty complicated and there's power lines overhead and there's a nursery right next to you and there's traffic and it's tricky. Yeah, um, for sure. So it wasn't quick, but it was cool seeing them put it, put a joint of pipe in the ground because it's just like one, two a day. Um, saw that. And then I set up a visit from their stop by Kerr. Uh, I saw their office and their yard. They've got all kinds of fun stuff. They have so many scrapers. It's awesome. Are they like big, uh, uh, highway contractor, civil contractor, okay. earth mover. And they, they just have all kinds of fun stuff. Nice. Uh, so that was a quick visit. And then we ended up in the afternoon at knife rivers training facility, knife river. If you're on the West, Western side of the United States, big time construction company, big time aggregate and materials producer, mm-hmm. thousands of people. And they invested a lot of money in this absolutely magnificent training facility. 
one of the nicest training facilities I've seen. The nicest one for any private company I've seen by a long shot. Yeah. By a long shot. I think I saw those pictures. They're in big build, big like. It's this big dome. Dome, yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's this, it's this huge facility. They have classrooms and then they have this 80,000 square foot dome so that they can train year round. It's a pressurized dome and they went with the dome over a steel building because they can get a GPS signal through the, oh, the material. Yeah. Oh, nice. And they can not only run equipment in the dome, but they can also stream from multiple angles on every machine in there what's happening. They have these headsets, so they they got me in the grader, and their, their instructor was watching me from the like command center, not <laughs> watching me in person, yeah. and watching me from in the cab feed, and then the other video feeds in on the machine in the arena. And he was talking to me through the headset as I was figuring out how to run the blade. And yeah. so he would say, hey, you see that uh, that button just above your thumb on your on your left stick? You want to hit that and that's what's going to engage your autos. He would just talk me through it all because you can't be you can't be in a blade. It's a yeah. one operator machine mm-hmm. teaching somebody. But with that, you can be. And then that could be streamed to us here in Nashville live from this facility. Okay, so how do we do it? I would just watch it all day. It's I would watch crazy. it. I would watch that all day for sure. I want to go there and do it's it so and cool. do it. I want to go back so bad. Yeah. Uh, so that was cool, and it's kind of they explained it in in three steps: one, classroom; two, then you start to get hands on in a controlled environment. Yeah. Three is the future, in which they're working on right now, and that's a simulated town. That has simulated utilities, simulated power lines, simulated buildings, simulated roads uh, in which they're going to run their people through legitimate situations. Yeah. They'll, they'll have role players. It's like how the police or the military trains. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say because they, they do that training yeah. with like simulated towns and well, in the facility, buildings and stuff. The facility's run by a guy that's trained police officers, law enforcement for uh, decades. There it is. Yeah. yeah. There it is. But it, it's like even so clever. The power lines, for example, are kept will be kept on by magnets. Mm-hmm. So if you hit the power line off, the power line will fall off. And it will go. And you know you messed up. The power will go out. Yeah, so they can, hey, we need to, you hit the power line. So what did we learn here? Um, Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, they, so they have all these simulated, uh, these simulations they're working through. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was it, it was in progress. They were building the simulated town as they as we were there. But um, they'll have this, the kind of the initial part of it done pretty soon. And then they pave with sand because you can run sand through a paver. It acts like asphalt, but oh. then you can just scoop it back up, put yeah. it right back in the paver and do it again. All kinds of cool stuff. Crazy. Yeah. And then when they're not running equipment through their simulated town, they can uh, they can do some awesome paintball drills. Uh, if only. <laughs> if only. That's my that's one of my business ideas. If I was a demolition contractor, yeah. I would also have a a, a paintball or airsoft company. Yeah. And I would do paintball paintball games in the dem- in the buildings I was about to demolition. Yeah. Demolish like there was a prison in Utah that yeah. was just demolished. Yeah. Right? Just like in the city. The gulag. Imagine a paintball match in an old prison. <laughs> <laughs> it's so sweet. The waiver would be absolutely atrocious. So like getting all, like making sure that like 
hey man, if this building collapses, we're not liable. Well, like, y- yeah, you know, y- y- yes. There's a reason why they don't do it. But yeah. no, it, but it, but it, they're not tearing it down for that reason. Like it's still structurally sound. Yeah, it's still it's this, just, this whole prison that right. you could just run through. We just it, need battery plants instead. It'd be so crazy. Um. So that was Knife River. They also have the ability for other companies to send their people for training to this facility. Oh, nice. Do they like charge for it? Yeah, they charge for it. But yeah. um, even major OEMs are sending some of their people nowadays to yeah. their facility because it's so good. Yeah. I mean, if nothing like that exists, then like that makes total sense. Yeah. So it is open. If you want to check it out, yeah. uh, I would look up Knife River, but um, it's spectacular. I was talking about this yesterday. I mean, like, there is not a crazy amount of training for, I mean, that's why we're doing what we're doing. There's, like, almost no training. Yeah. Um, But, like, there should be. Because, because like, yeah. it's yeah. Th- th- this job, like, running heavy equipment or just doing anything on a construction site, I was, like, thinking about it yesterday, and I was like, it's. It's just as kind of intensive as like being in the military or being in a police force. Like, oh, and it, not it's... not the same, obviously, but like we were talking about it because my 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 friend does live sound, and she was like, you know, as soon as you clip that radio on, people, civilians, laymen are looking to you for advice if something goes wrong. Yeah, like as soon as you have that hard hat, that vest on. Yeah. So it's like, you better know what the fuck you're doing. Well, but um, the reality is there's almost no training. You need more training to run a forklift legally than you do a 400-ton haul truck. <laughs> and the the it's not that we should be training. The construction industry needs to train now because there's this safety policy that is we don't have accidents. We don't tolerate mistakes. Yeah. But you're not training. And these people are new. They've never been around a job site before. They've never been around equipment before. They don't know that the tape measure and the plans are in tenths, not inches. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you 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 have a no mistakes policy, and yet you have no training. Yeah. What do you? <laughs> You're losing your workforce as soon as they come in. Well, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, what's the the gap's pretty obvious there, and yeah. so you have to do something and. The cool thing about uh, Knife River's facility is that, hey, it's not just for us, it's for other people. So you don't have to invest as much as we have in this beautiful facility because we have thousands of people. If you're a smaller contractor, you can still take advantage of it um, because we uh, we understand that we have to elevate the entirety of the industry to really figure this out, which I think is phenomenal. So that was the Knife River facility. Um, then we went down to see... My friend Jason, we stayed at his house outside of Eugene. Nice. And then I was talking to him that evening, said, what time do you want to get going the next day? And he said, well, we could get going like around 4, 4.15. And I'm just like, because we're three, almost three weeks. We're about halfway. Yeah. This is like, fuck. All right. So I do laps. We're staying in this really little town. Mm Mm-hmm. I do laps in this little town because it's really dark anywhere else. It's like, I don't want to, Yeah. the odds of this happening are very, very slim, but I don't really feel like tussling with a mountain lion at this hour. 
So I just did circles at three in the morning in the pitch black. Mm-hmm. We, we drove through Eugene to the other side of Eugene, west side of town, up into the mountains. It's dark. And we start going up these roads. The road gets smaller and smaller and smaller. You're going up these dirt roads now. And you're, the in, you're in the woods. Yeah. And, and he's, he's leading and we're following him. And then all of a sudden you come around and it's this drop off and you're looking out across these mountains and you can't really see what's going on. The light, the light, it's just starting to get a little light, mm-hmm. but you can see a machine working out in the distance. And that's what we were there to see. It was a feller buncher mm-hmm. with uh, Kirkpatrick cutting. Uh, and uh, it just looked spectacular because it was in the distance. You could tell it was taking out trees because the lights were so bright. Mm-hmm. They work in the dark a lot of times, so they have really good lighting packages. Yeah. We drove a little further down, and it was a two-machine operation. They had the basically what's uh, uh, called a road builder. It's an excavator that's beefed up for the sake of road construction building logging roads, mm-hmm. which is a really gnarly application. So they wanted a, just a beefier machine. Yeah. That was running a, a Timbermax winch, which is a very expensive piece of machinery. Yeah. So it, instead of a bucket or anything, it had a winch at the end of the stick. Oh. And the machine's just sitting there. And a cable, steel cable, comes out of the winch, and it's attached to the feller buncher. It was a tiger cat feller buncher down below, which was then cutting the the, the trees. And that... That winch, what it does is it allows that feller buncher to go up and down the slope uh, with the aid of that steel cable, and it manages the tension automatically. Mm-hmm. So it it draws, it, it'll it'll put cable out or pull it back in as uh, as the feller buncher is moving up and down the hill to maintain a, a, a consistent amount of tension on that cable at all times. So it allows that feller buncher to go up and down crazy steep terrain crazy steep terrain that it would never be able to otherwise that's a that's a pretty heavy machine too right? yeah the fellow bungers they're like oh yeah they're 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 huge they're badass yeah i mean they're throwing trees around yeah I mean, trees are very very heavy you got to have something you got to have some ass behind it what so, was the what was the uh, excavator or the like I don't remember. I think it was maybe like a Hitachi or something like that. Nice. But it was basically just a power pack for the winch. Yeah. How it how they had it set up. So yeah. they could take the winch off. They could work with it. Or they could just park it up, up top. You don't need an operator in it because the winch, it's brand new. It's mm. really high tech. Yeah. Uh, you just need someone in the cutter working. And yeah. that's really it. So we hiked down the slope, got to see the cutter working. Um, the sound of a feller buncher is... One of the most magical sounds in all of the the machinery kingdom. Mm-hmm. The sound of that saw, just like <laughs> butter, just just right through the fucking wood. Yeah. Yeah. And then it just tossing the trees, just chucking them down the hill. And then <laughs> as the tree hits the ground, just it just this cracking. And you can f- feel the ground shake a little bit as these trees hit the ground. Yeah. But he was cutting the trees all the way down the slope and they they there was an access road at the bottom of the slope and the top of the slope so he was trying to bring trees up and then tr- throw trees down to the slope so they could access the trees once they came to retrieve the wood mm-hmm. i'm not very familiar with logging on the west coast i can explain it better on on southeast 
because it's flat in southeast. Yeah, and I it's just different. Yeah. So I kind of explained it. I, I kind of understand it, but I don't really understand it. Yeah. It was just cool to see. It was a ton of fun. Was there Feller Buncher a tracked machine? Or? Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, it has to be tracked. But okay. on the on, that's one of the big differences. Yeah. On the East Coast, most of them are rubber tire. Yeah, because I was thinking of like the the um, eight tire, like, you know. Yeah, well, the some of see. them have eight. A lot of them just have four. Yeah. Like the swamp, swamp machines. Yeah. But yeah, they're, they're, it's a similar cutting head. Yeah. But it's just on. Like an excavator style platform. Um, Yeah, it's kind of like an excavator, but it's Tiger Cat builds their machines specifically for forestry. I think they're the coolest, some of the coolest machines. I think so too. They're, they're so sweet. They're so much beefier. Mm-hmm. So much better made than a typical excavator is. Mm-hmm. The undercarriage is crazy. It has grouser extensions. So the grousers just look fucking mean because it has to go up and down some crazy terrain. It's tied to a giant chain with a steel cable. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't have glass because you can't have glass when you have Must get chilly. Sh- shards of no, there's there's air conditioning and heat in yeah. the cab. Like the cab's nice. It's yeah. super spacious. Super good visibility. Yeah. On that machine. Amazing visibility for most machines. Um, It's just built. Like, it has, like, ballistic glass in it. It's Where's, just built to be heavy duty. Are, are they built in America? Where are they built? Uh, Tiger Cat's a Canadian company. Oh, okay. I don't know where they build their machines, but I know it's a Canadian company. Yeah. I almost wore my Tiger Cat hat. I'm, re- I'm regretting it now. I need a Tiger Cat hat. I, I'm a huge fan of Tiger Cat. Yeah. But it was cool to see Feller Buncher, Kirkpatrick cutting. They were... Very cool to have us out. Yeah. Super stoked for us to be there. We were super stoked to be there. You see the sunrise? Jason hooked it all up. Um, Yeah, yeah. Sun came up and we were done by, we got out there at five. We were done by eight. (laughs) (laughs) We were done pretty early, which was good though, because then from there we went back through Eugene to pick up the RV at Jason's house. And then we had to drive from there to Boise, Idaho, which was about an eight-hour drive through middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. We, we stopped in Bend to get a coffee. Never been to Bend before. I was there 30 minutes, so not very, not very long. Stopped in Bend, drove all the way through the middle of nowhere, and then ended up in Boise to visit uh, Wadsworth. We parked the RV that night at, in somebody's driveway mm-hmm. that works for the project. Which was, we just stay in so many random places. Yeah. So yeah. many yeah. random places. It's just, it was so variable. Yeah. Stay in their driveway in some subdivision. And it was a, the project the next day, this was Thursday, was a data center for yeah. a confidential social media business. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of those. A really big one. Yeah. <laughs> the one not owned by Elon. I can't even uh, think not of owned, what not that owned would by be. the Chinese. I can't even think of what that would be. I don't <laughs> so know. So you can maybe narrow it down. And all it really is, it's a data center. It's a gigantic building pad. Yeah. Gigantic building pad. And they're building these data centers. They were building them in more obvious places. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the problem with data centers is they consume a lot of power. Mm-hmm. They're very energy intensive. And I know some states have started to say, hey, we can't have any more data centers. Because we're starting to consume too much power. Mm. So they're starting to build data centers in places like Idaho. 
And as the population of Idaho is growing, there's more data going in out of it. I don't really understand it. It's all witchcraft to me. But they're building a data center outside of Boise. And all it is is a gigantic building pad. And data centers are also very complex from a utility standpoint. And this is a key, key component of this project. Mm. Because they built this gigantic pad. And then they had to over-excavate it all by 10 feet. Pull all, blast all the material, haul all of the material to a stockpile, then run it through this monster crushing operation and then put it into trucks and haul it right back to the building pad where they placed it in one foot lifts all the way back up to grade. So just imagine this gigantic rectangle, blast, dig it 10 foot, crush all that material, bring it all back, fill it all back up so that Mm. for the utility work and the footings work, they wouldn't have to dig through rock. They can just dig through nice material <laughs> for the whole thing. Ridiculous. And it's more, I guess, eco-friendly, quote unquote, to keep the material on site. Yeah. Because there was a better way to do it from a just engineering and building standpoint to bring material in, but they didn't want to do that. They mm. wanted to keep all material on site. So they crushed it all. It was crazy. Oh, so you're saying they could have built it up instead of blasting down. Yes. But. They wanted the quarry from the site. It, yeah, whatever they, they, reason. They wanted to say that they're environmentally friendly and they keep everything on site and they're not running yeah. trucks on the local roads and yeah. so on I and see. so forth. So crazy earth moving project. Huge. Huge, 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 huge. One of the yeah. biggest mobile crushing spreads I've seen ever. That's why. Yeah. So wait, what company was this is Wadsworth? Ralph again? Wadsworth. Okay. They're out of Salt Lake City, but that was one of their um bigger earth moving projects out of town just a monster project really cool stuff and do they own that that crushing spread or no they're crushing with somebody else Ah, okay yeah it was a crushing company that just does big large-scale crushing so it was a whole mobile plant that they brought in but it was it was a big plant it was a really big plant really big i mean they had a a d9 managing the stockpile Mm -hmm. out of the plant yeah that's how much material it was thrown off. Um, so if you have a, a D8, uh, I think it was D8. If you have a D8 having to manage your material coming off the plant, that's a big plant. That's big. That was Wadsworth. And then that day, we wrapped up later that day, got back in the RV. Um, Jack and Angel were driving the RV. Mm-hmm. And I was driving the pickup truck because I had some calls to make or I had something I needed to be on the phone for. The RV, you can't really be on the phone for it. You can't really have conversation because it's so damn loud. <laughs> so I would have to drive the pickup truck if, if I had calls. And I get a call from Angel about an hour in. He said, hey, you want to hear something funny? I'm like, yeah, lay it on me. <laughs> and he said, well, we're at a truck stop. And Jack locks the keys in the RV. <laughs> and Damn i just it. laughed i was like yeah it's like you can't. bronies yeah because yeah. i can't do anything to help them and yeah uh they're screwed yeah and so i just said call the cruise america hotline mm-hmm. and uh they'll have someone come out and break into the car for you <laughs> and and it'll you know maybe be a few hour delay but you'll get it figured out it's not yeah. that big of a deal and uh I get a call from him about 30 minutes later. He says, we got it. I said, how'd you get it? He said, well, I walked into the gas station to go buy something. Mm-hmm. And they had a 
break into your car kit <laughs> at the gas station. <laughs> nice. So they bought it and they popped the door open with the kit. So the kit was great, yeah. great value. Yeah, works. So they broke in the RV, uh, which made me question the security that yeah. is in the Ford E350 van. But mm. then again, the technology in a Ford E350 van, even if it's a brand new van, is from 1987. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> they haven't updated those things <laughs> ever. <laughs> yeah. I um I watch a channel on, on YouTube called like Regular Car Reviews. And it's insane how many motors are just like from the 80s, 90s, like that haven't changed. No, they, like, well, they, the, the only thing that's changed is all the, the bullshit emissions that they've had to add to all these things yeah, in like, a lot of ways. That block is exactly the same yeah. as like something from... <clears throat> The 80s. Well, it's crazy comparing to when they do repowers for cat equipment, you know, mm-hmm. machines. You'll have a scraper engine, an old scraper engine versus the new scraper engine. Yeah. It's the same engine. Yeah. Identical. And then you have all the bullshit on top of yeah. the identical engine with all the, the wiring harnesses and sensors and all the nonsense that makes it a lot more unreliable. Yeah. But it's the same engine. You're yeah. like, Wow. So you're taking out this old engine that's perfectly good. Mm-hmm. That's the same. It hasn't really been improved because you don't have to. And you're, in a lot of ways, making it a lot worse. Worse. And a lot more unreliable. Heavier. But anyway. The law is the law. Oh, we're just, we just need to do what the government says. So yeah. they broke into the car. We drove across the state of Idaho. We got into Montana. And we arrived at the D.C. Excavation World Headquarters, where we spent um, the following few nights because we were three weeks in at that point and I wanted to stay put for at least a day to give us at least a day off. Yeah. Um, We stayed at Dane's on Thursday and then we went to some of his jobs Friday, saw some of their work. It's been cool because I've visited him the past few years, I think four years in a row, I think four years in a row. Mm-hmm. And he's grown a little bit more and a little bit more and a little oh, bit more every bigger, year. Yeah. yeah, just bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. So the first the first project I visited him on was this basement dig, I think, for a residential project in, in Bozeman, mm-hmm. right in town. And now the project that we visited him on was a subdivision. Mm-hmm. He has this crater and this big excavator and all kinds of fun stuff going yeah. on. Yeah. So we got to see what they were doing. Really, really cool what DC Excavation is doing. Bozeman's blown up and they've been a big beneficiary of that. Mm-hmm. So we got to see Dane. We stayed with him, um, saw him that weekend and um, hung out Saturday in Bozeman. Sunday took off to North Dakota. Which was a boring ass drive all the way through Montana. I could imagine. And then all the way through North Dakota. And that is? From west to east. Yeah. All the way through North Dakota. Yeah. I didn't need to go through. Yeah, there's not a lot up there. Flat. It's flat. There's just a lot of sunflowers, actually. So it is pretty in the summer. It's a lot prettier in the summer than it is in the winter. Let me tell you. But (laughs) we. Wasteland in the winter. We ended up at a, the parking lot of a medical offices building hmm. for the night leading in to week four, Fargo, North Dakota. And that is the conclusion of week three 
Pilbit Roadshow. J.D. McCamus, Jetty Work, J.W. Fowler. Nice. Doing underground utilities, big underground utilities. Knife Rivers Training Facility. Logging with Kirkpatrick Cutting. Big earthwork with Ralph Wadsworth. And then some good old site work with DC Excavation. It was a great week. Yeah, that was pretty jam-packed. It was, it was jam-packed. Yeah. I, I think that's probably the most packed week that we've they were discussed. All, they were all pretty packed weeks. Yeah. I don't think we had an easy week. It yeah. was an ambitious agenda. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the, the actual visits, the site visits were the easy part. It's just the, the driving. The driving. Drive, drive, mm-hmm. drive, drive. Just long drives. It's exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. I've done some pretty long drives. And yeah. It's exhausting. Even in like my car, which is small. Yeah. And pretty fast. The RV is way more exhausting to drive than an actual modern mm-hmm. day vehicle. Yeah. Because it's just old technology. It's, it's it's all technology, but it's so loud. The vibrations are just, uh, it's just moving a lot of air. Yeah, yeah. You're 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 wiggling around the road. You're getting blown around. Yeah. It's just just drinking fuel. Eight <laughs> eight miles a gallon. So you're stopping a lot, and then to fill up, it takes a long time. And yep. You have to maneuver this twenty foot, twenty five foot rectangle everywhere. Your it's, truck probably got pretty good mileage out there. Maybe like what twenty three. Pretty good. Yeah, about twenty three. I think was yeah. what we averaged for the. 12,000 miles on the pickup truck. Yeah. Well, keeping with the theme, you have any conspiracy theories? Mm. Any moon landing theories? Moon landing? No, I mean, we just had 9-11. I've never seen my one observation. I've started to read more comments on yeah. social media. Comments are a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I, I I love the comment on other people's posts. On yeah. my on my posts, I kind of stay away from the comments. But yeah. on other people's posts, I don't have any emotional attachment to what's going on. No, I like to just dig in because you also get a a temperature check. Yeah. And you you know, there's some funny stuff happening with comments getting throttled and deleted, so on and so forth. But yeah. I don't but but the comments are very telling. Like you go to the President of the United States, you go to Biden's Instagram page, go look at the comments. Like it's pretty telling. <laughs> And so I'll read the comments on stuff, and I have never seen so many comments about all of the shady stuff around 9-11. Yeah. A lot of people talking about it now. And I think it's largely- It's only gotten worse over the years, the the conspiracy stuff. Yeah, but I think 2020 is what did it. 2021 is what did it. 2022 Mm. This crazy stuff starts to come true. Mm-hmm. You start to see that, whoa, this is actually, wait a minute. Um, and uh, yeah, there was, there is some striking information that yeah. who the hell knows if it's true or not, but like trillions of dollars going missing the day before. I saw a lot about <laughs> that. Yeah. Stuff like, like that. Oh, you're like, where did that go? Oh, and you look it up, you're like, holy shit, and, it was true. And that's, what the fuck? Yeah. And that's not minimize the, the tragedy or you know the front it still happened or, like yeah it still that happened shit still happened and like it was real but, yes yeah but then the tragedy that was also the war that mm-hmm. hundreds of thousands potentially millions of people died Soon after. in the middle east yeah from it, basically bullshit information like crazy yeah crazy i saw um i have one this week actually um 
And also, the big tragedy, um, and there will be an episode coming out. It will have already come out this week, but um, Nathan told me to look up um, Oprah's house in Maui. Oh, yeah. 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 Where, like, all the millionaires and billionaires, like, none of their shit burned. But. Yeah, but anybody that says that, it's like, well, you, you've. You haven't been to Maui recently, yeah, and you don't know where these people live. Yeah, so it's over in, in a way different part of my, uh, Maui, yeah, than Lahaina is. But like, the, I mean, not even close. Yeah, but and then, she's built like a compound because yeah. I know people that have worked on her house. Oh, I see. That have done construction. So it's work just up there. like fortified, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. still think there's some sketchy shit going on with like them trying to. Um, capitalize on this strategy and make like there definitely is yeah like, the there's most... a lot of trying to capitalize parts of the island yeah for development now. oh and but even there's just a lot of people that are going to be underwater they're going to be displaced like, yeah, they're going to be displaced and because they, yeah the just the the cost of living in hawaii is insane mm-hmm. it's the highest cost of living of any state in the united states yeah i mean i uh i think tulsi gabbard was saying it was like a hundred Around $150,000. You need $150,000 of income for it to be livable. Yeah. For it to be livable. And not everyone who's from there. I mean, probably a very small percentage of people who are actually from there make that much a year. Yeah, because there's only so many jobs and most of them are on tourism. Yeah. You're not making that much money. So you're working multiple jobs. You have uh, multiple families living under Mm -hmm. the same roofs. You you have multiple generations in in the same house, which I have seen- uh, all over, and I'm I'm not from Hawaii. I'm not intimately aware of Hawaii, but yeah, yeah, there you can tell. Though, but that's that any is... disaster. Any disaster, there's opportunity for people, and they take advantage of it. Mm, yeah, and uh, what was a big disaster? 9/11, and there must have been some opportunity there. There was a lot of money made. Yeah, and a lot of money went missing. A lot of money went missing. That's weird. Weird. Anyway. And then, anyway, yeah. well. Um, thanks everybody for listening. That was week three of the Build a Road Show, and we will see you all next week. I don't know what next week will be, but we'll be back for week four sometime in the future. Figure it out. Don't hold your breath.